Hi guys, welcome back to the Lost Generation podcast. We are recording on another Saturday. It's not sunny today though. It's a little bit sad. Our Sunday blush is a little bit sad. <laughs> For today's episode, episode 19, we have a very special guest. Um, we have two here with us. She is a freelance sustainable fashion designer and she is also the winner of the Redress Design Award. So first off, congratulations to people in the back clap as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, first of all, I would like to thank you for the congratulations. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> It's a huge deal. Um, a, so, yeah, in case you didn't know, in 2022, Timberland will be producing your clothing, right? Oh, no, technically not. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, I will. I will be joining Timberland, the creative team, to produce oh. their Chinese New Year collection. It's Lunar New Year. I know, but they they chose Chinese New Year. I don't dare to ask why. That's a great start. <laughs> but anyway, so to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, um, so I'm a sustainable designer and I have been working on this career, I guess, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. three to four years. Ooh. If you count my college years. Well, of course, it's of work. Course. <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah. And for the Redress Design Award, it is one of the biggest sustainable. Uh, competition mm-hmm. in the world mm-hmm. and it's a, on a global scale and mm-hmm. this year they have the most amazing uh, judges in the world really so, yeah that uh, includes Suzy Babo Suzy Lau the mm-hmm. fashion blogger mm-hmm. uh, also Ursula de Castro she is the founder of the fashion revolution which is uh, an NGO uh, the most famous NGO in the sustainable fashion mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. circle and so f- this year for the first time ever they include the menswear prize mm-hmm. and uh, I was fortunately enough to be the winner and mm-hmm. so I got to work with the VF Corporation and the Timberland mm-hmm. to produce their Lunar New Year collection mm-hmm. for 2023 and it will be centered around uh, the tiger Mm-hmm. It's the year of the tiger. It's the year of the tiger, mm-hmm. and and right now I've already <coughs> be- begun working with the team, mm-hmm. and so uh, mostly online yeah, due because. to the COVID situation. <laughs> yes, but uh, they have been really friendly, and mm-hmm. it I think it's going pretty well. Mm-hmm. So may I ask, when did you get into sustainable fashion? Oh, I think the first time that I heard about the term mm-hmm. was in 2014 so mm, during 14. my second year in high school mm-hmm. uh, so I stumbled upon a book called sustainable fashion or something <laughs> <laughs> or ethical fashion um, it's just a collection of case studies of the uh, sustainable or ethical fashion business around the world mm-hmm. and it, it was really interesting because uh, at the same time, I knew about the issues and also presented with a solution. Mm-hmm. So I decided to commit myself with sustainable fashion. Mm-hmm. And I have been working and studying, researching about uh, the field for, I think, six or seven years. Mm-hmm. So your passion became your career, in a sense. <laughs> in a sense, yes. I was fortunate enough, I, I guess. <laughs> Um, so was you interested in fashion before that point I and th- then you become sustainable or? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, actually, I was interested in every design principles. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't, uh, I haven't chose one thing um, before that. But during that time, I was a volunteer at both uh, environmental activism group kind mm-hmm. of thing, and also participate in a fashion club. So mm-hmm. I I was leaning towards fashion mm-hmm. and then when I knew about the the issue I just decided that yeah this is what I'm mean, mm-hmm. I want to do. I think partly because uh that was when I knew how Vietnam was um or Vietnam is still one of the outsourcing countries. Outsourcing. Outsourcing yeah. so like apparel and textile mm-hmm. countries. Mm-hmm. So we 
do play an, an important role in the supply in the global supply chain mm-hmm. and so during that time i also knew about the the pollution especially the water pollution of china and bangladesh and mm-hmm. also the exploitation of workers mm-hmm. and i just realized that vietnam could well be one of the next countries mm-hmm. so yeah. i i felt like that this is what i could do to maybe better like to help my home country (laughs) (laughs) and why doing something what that i love Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that is true so i don't think that many people are aware of the impact that fast fashion have on not only the environment but also the people as well and the economy even so can you enlighten us (laughs) on the subject uh yeah i think uh if we can go back to the beginning of fast fashion Mm -hmm. It was actually in the Victorian era, so it coincided with the mass production and like industrialization of the country. And mm-hmm. so, for the next fifty or for the next uh, century, mm-hmm. after the two world wars, the <coughs> industrialization just kept uh, happening faster and faster. And mm-hmm. so, in the I think in the sixty or seventies, the people actually realized the benefits of fast fashion mm. so back then we call it high street fashion high street high oh. street fashion i mean young girls and young people in general they mm. only really then realized like the joy of buying uh, fastly produced trendy clothing and mm. they wore it for a few time and then they discard it mm. and it really mm. bloomed in the starting from the 90s onwards and I think back then the reason why it was so popular was because of the cheap price mm. and also of how trendy or how up to date uh, the clothing are mm-hmm. uh, in the 60s or 70s or even the 80s fashion was something quite exclusive mm-hmm. and reserved only to the upper middle class or the mm-hmm. rich people so like only the old couture old yeah fashion old houses. couture yeah. because the they the the garments are really precious are well thought out mm-hmm. made with really from the best artisans mm-hmm. and the best material mm-hmm. silk or back then fur mm-hmm. and I think high street really uh, give people like everybody the chance to enjoy fashion mm-hmm. and maybe the beginning it wasn't really so bad however. Mm-hmm. When we, of course, when consumerism uh, happened and people just keep buying and and discarding without really giving it a thought, and it mm. be- became a, a bad thing. Especially how the high street companies begin shipping or like outsourcing the um, production process to developing countries. Mm. Um, for example, in China and Bangladesh, which are the two biggest outsourcing and also production for textile in the world. Mm. Um, they are biggest problem of the water pollution. Mm. Uh, so in order to produce, to weave and dye, you mm. need a lot of water. Mm-hmm. And there are also many chemicals and pollutants involved. And on the other hand, there's also the problem of <coughs> exploitation of workers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different from other industries that the textile and apparel are still really heavily depend on the the human worker. So mm-hmm. not many machines can replace human yet. You mm-hmm. still need a seamstress mm-hmm. to put the garment together, even mm-hmm. though you're using a, a sewing machine. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of worker and mostly women, females, girls, young girls involved, mm-hmm. and they have to work long hours, mm-hmm. uh, often 12 or uh, 16 hours per day. Also the, the child labor. They are not really well paid, and they have to work in really uh, bad working condition. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a really well-known accident mm-hmm. or a disaster, you could say, that yeah. is the collapse of the Rana Plaza building mm-hmm. in Bangladesh in 2014. Mm-hmm. It was a seven-story building, and mm-hmm. each building are filled with uh, garment workers. Mm-hmm. And when it collapsed, almost 3,000 people died. Oh my god. Yeah, and 
And it became such a big scandal <coughs> that there were strikes and campaigns everywhere around the world. Mm-hmm. And that actually birthed the fashion revolution organization. Mm-hmm. And I think from that uh, disaster onwards, people, um, so the customer have become more aware of the devastating impact of fast fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think they can... People can only get a vast image of what's going on. Can you tell us about the progress of making a t-shirt, okay. for example? Okay, so go into further detail about how uh, the fast fashion or the fashion industry in general harms the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will talk about the life cycle of a t-shirt. Mm. First, you need to grow the cotton. <laughs> so you begin way back. It goes way back. But we had to talk about the fiber. So you have to grow the cotton. Mm-hmm. You harvest the, the cotton and then turn them into yarns, which are mm-hmm. like long, long things. And you weave them. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you describe it. <laughs> Basically, really long things. <laughs> and then you weave them into a, a, a sheet of fabric. Mm-hmm. And... So they produce fabric like how they would produce rolls of papers. Mm. So in in sheets, long sheets, probably 100 meter per roll, mm. and then these rolls are the fabric are then dyed mm-hmm. or printed in every any desirable patterns and colors mm. trendy of the season. Mm. And those fabric are then cut into garment, uh, cut into pieces. You can maybe and envision them as puzzle pieces mm. and then you take those to a seamstress and mm. she will sew everything to- together mm. and during that process uh, it may sound really simple but a lot of people are involved and the supply chain is impossibly long and it just goes around the world mm. so for example the cotton fields can be found in India and mm-hmm. the USA, mm-hmm. but uh, they will be shipped to China mm-hmm. to be woven into fabric and to be dyed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from that point on, this fabric can be shipped around the world uh, into developing countries, into our sourcing countries, mm-hmm. for example, Vietnam, or even like... So anywhere you you would have a, a production or a manufacturer of, of textile, mm-hmm. you you can find this. Mm-hmm. That is cheap. <laughs> that is cheap. <laughs> uh, or even when you know uh, the small market, people also buy clothes to uh, buy fabric to make clothes for themselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, the fabric that we we buy every day, it actually came from uh, comes from just a few countries. Mm-hmm. So. For the highest quality fabric, it will be um, the the European countries such mm. as uh, the UK or Italy mm-hmm. and Japan. Mm. For mostly mass uh, produce and mass consume clothing, it will be China and Bangladesh. Mm. And even at that point, there are many issues involved. Or I can recall the uh, the. I, I don't know how to say it, the dispute between Monsanto, mm-hmm. Monsanto and and the India farm Indian farmers. Mm-hmm. So Monsanto is a corporation of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, they produce chemicals and have involved in the biochemistry fields or industry. Mm-hmm. And our Vietnamese people may know them as the producer of Agent Orange. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there was a really famous case uh, of Monsanto selling uh, M- GMO, M- MGO, <laughs> genetic, uh, yeah, genetically modified organ- organism, yeah. GMO. GMO, okay, yeah. Oh, hi guys, Mark is here. <laughs> if you can hear him. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so there is a really famous case of uh, Monsanto selling GMO cotton seeds to mm-hmm. the Indian farmers mm-hmm. and slowly replacing the local seeds. And the important issue is here is that these seeds that they sell cannot be like reproduced naturally. Mm, okay. So they cannot be re- regenerated mm-hmm. and the farmers need to buy the seeds from the corporation every season. So mm. 
and it leads to enormous debts and so the farmers basically they could not pay <coughs> and it leads to mass suicide oh <laughs> that's horrible and okay so like besides polluting the earth and overworking and underpaying the people they also strike on the economy of a whole country or maybe many other countries as well exactly and uh, even when so we we have already touched on the issue of exploitation of sewing like garment workers mm-hmm. there are also the issues of when consumer so they buy the product mm-hmm. and they maybe wear them for a few time and then discard them we are really familiar with a particular way of discarding garments which is to donate to mm-hmm. yeah. to maybe goodwill or any charity organization and however these like second hand clothing so they they become eels and second hand clothing they will be flooded they they will come into the market of really like poor country or mm. developing countries and they will create some really unseen uh, effects on the economy as mm. you have said mm. so for example second hand clothing comes from like europe Mm-hmm. Uh, North America mm-hmm. and East Asia, so the most, the, the richest country in mm-hmm. the world, and the Southeast Asian uh, African countries will mm-hmm. be the the receiver of the so-called trash mm-hmm. of such countries and receiving the donation, receiving the donations, the love. <laughs> and uh, I have recall, uh, I I have seen the news that some African countries have had to ban the the import of secondhand clothing from the USA mm. because the their own the local apparel and textile industry cannot compete with the cheap price mm. of secondhand clothing mm. and so after banning them the US actually put some kind of punishment economical punishment on mm. such governments so basically they force them to keep Like taking care of the trash, you would say. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's become a political game. Again. Yeah, yeah, it has yeah, really yeah. become like evolve into something of uh, like the abuse of power. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I I never imagined that just yeah. from you know clothes. Yeah, it's just, just a story of something that we wear every day. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah, I think because we are really disconnected in general mm-hmm. about uh, how everything is produced mm-hmm. and but i believe that in some time in the future when people will actually care more about the clothes that they are using mm-hmm. just like how now we really understand or we really pay attention to the food that we are eating so um the the organic food movement mm-hmm. and <laughs> we want to know that the farmers are they using chemicals or not mm-hmm. to grow our vegetables mm-hmm. and maybe the mm. next few years even vietnamese people the public the mass mm-hmm. market mm-hmm. not only just a, a small, small group of activists yeah. mm-hmm. they will also ask question Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, are the cottons happy? So like, are the chickens happy? I feel better if the chickens happy when I'm eating it, you know. <laughs> But what the heck? <laughs> you know how they advertise the cows are really happy when they take their milk. Like, bitch, no, they're not. Yeah, they are happy. also. They were also really happy before they they take the leather. Yeah, but I feel like uh, with clothing, it would take a much longer time compared to food because. Food is much, I think, closer to uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and like to us and how we consume it every day, and it has like a sudden, instant Im- yeah, effect on yeah, what yeah, we're yeah, eating. Exactly. But yeah. clothing because, is yeah, a maybe because food is like directly uh, affect our body, so mm, yeah. we're more conscious about it more than clothes. Um, but as you said, uh, since the Bangladesh disaster in mm. 2014, uh, fashion revolution came. To, to be, yeah. <laughs> to be, I was supposed to be. Came to life. Came to be. And um, so I heard about their um, campaign. Yeah, their campaign, Who Made My Clothes. Yeah. So, yeah, basically everyone uh, wore their clothes inside out and take a picture of their clothing tag and then tag the brands and ask, Who made my clothes? 
And then uh, many brands after that uh, actually came clear or almost clear about yeah, they, how, <laughs> how the supply chains work. So yeah, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think uh, it was one of the most successful campaign mm-hmm. of a fashion revolution. And they are still doing it every year. And mm. and really, f- it has become like a, a fashion revolution week almost. Mm. So uh, in commemoration of the disaster so every month like in in april like every last week of april Mm -hmm. the fashion revolution just uh organized events around the world Mm -hmm. and asked again ask the customers to do what you said uh photograph the tag Mm -hmm. and ask the brands ask the companies about the the garment workers Mm -hmm. behind those clothes Mm -hmm. and I think it really shows the power of the customer. It is the the, the customer who is paying. So mm-hmm. you have to, as they usually say, you have to vote where your money is, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and you have to show that you are you have the power and you uh you can demand those information from the company from any anything that you are mm-hmm. buying from mm-hmm. and this just the simple act of boycotting mm-hmm. a brand can really bring about a large effect mm-hmm. on on such brand they understand that if they are <coughs> if they do not change how they operate mm-hmm. they will lose customer mm-hmm. that that means loss of revenues and the company cannot come through mm-hmm. especially in in this kind of climate where uh, the market can be said to be saturated mm-hmm. and there are competition everywhere even the local uh, brands have to compete with the international brands and mm-hmm. even those international brands are pit against each other mm-hmm. yeah so we hold more power than we thought much more power than we thought we do. that's true <laughs> like even if you feel alone then you call around people with you and you mm-hmm. have a small strike 50 or 100 people <laughs> i know that it is a bit difficult in in vietnam but uh online campaign can also yeah. be really effective yeah. people online can surprise you sometimes yeah. <laughs> so uh we talk we touch on sustainable fashion um but can you tell me more about the definition uh, yeah the definition i think it will really confuse people at first because there are so many interchangeable terms mm-hmm. you may call it sustainable fashion some say ethical fashion mm-hmm. there are also the slow fashion movement eco-friendly, fashion. eco-friendly <laughs> something um yeah and basically it means the same however <coughs> sustainable fashion they have the sustainability or sustainable development uh, theories to back up mm-hmm. so maybe that will be the most like easy to follow because mm-hmm. they actually have three big uh, principles mm-hmm. that is like, the three P's. So planet, mm-hmm. people, and profit. Mm-hmm. You have to ensure that the economic growth actually uh, benefits or are in line with the protection of the environment mm-hmm. and the advancement of people, of human beings. Mm-hmm. And when you put that into context of the fashion industry, it is not really that difficult to understand. So to protect the environment, you have to reduce the amount of harmful chemicals or pollutants involved in the process of uh, dyeing and mm-hmm. producing textile. Mm-hmm. Or you may use some uh, biodegradable or low-impact materials. Mm-hmm. For example, um, natural plant-based or protein-based fabric over mm-hmm. synthetics mm-hmm. like cotton, linen, uh, wool, uh, silk over polyester. Mm-hmm. Or you want to wear your <coughs> garment longer, wear your clothes longer mm-hmm. and to have a longer life cycle of, of something. Mm-hmm. You don't buy it off the rack and wear it for a few days and then yeah. ship it off to some developing countries yeah. and, and have another 10 years old. <laughs> where, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just better to buy less clothes rather than buying from all the expensive sustainable brands and then not wearing them at all. Exactly. Like, that's the same shit, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's actually it's really true because um, they the fashion revolution they are having another campaign right now which mm-hmm. is second hand September. Mm-hmm. So in in the month of September we will talk about the 
in part of wearing your garment for longer time. Mm-hmm. So the life cycle of a garment and how you can really reduce the carbon footprint of mm-hmm. your clothes just mm-hmm. by keeping them for longer. Mm-hmm. And that is also involves in the human aspect, as I have said before. Uh, the second-hand clothing industry thing can have the impact on the local economy. Mm-hmm. And also, sometimes it is a problem about class classism about mm. where only people in developed country can enjoy new clothes so yeah i think after the fashion revolution campaign some fast fashion did take action um, due to the demand from the customers right so can you tell us more about what they did i think it, de- it depends on each fast fashion brand however they are also Uh, including the, the CSR into their operation. Mm-hmm. So if you go on to the website of, of such uh, brands, you will see, you would actually see that they uh, have a section about their sustainability commitment or mm-hmm. the, the Pupil Planet initiatives, mm-hmm. anything, anything. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, uh, although greenwashing is a real issue, uh, yeah. I want to say that we as customer should um, support the decision because it's take it takes a lot of guts to complain about mm-hmm. what you have done mm-hmm. and to begin a, a conversation with your customer and to uh, become transparent about your own ch- supply chain and mm-hmm. um, for example uh, H&M one of the biggest uh, fast fashion I would say the biggest mm-hmm. uh, fast fashion uh, brand right now they originate from Sweden mm-hmm. And uh, in the last five or six years or so, they have cooperate. Uh, they have collaborated with the Swedish government mm-hmm. to organize what is called the Copenhagen Fashion Summit, mm-hmm. and it is actually the biggest event about sustainable fashion in the world. Mm-hmm. So it involves a lot of researcher or manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So every single every player in in the field. Mm-hmm. And there are real results come out from this. Mm. Even in, I think, nine, uh, 2009 or 2010, mm-hmm. uh, some of the biggest clothing manufacturers mm-hmm. of the uh, world come together to create a sustainable uh, apparel coalition. So mm-hmm. they try to build a system for each of the manufacturer or the retailer to judge themselves on oh. the level of sustainability that, that mm-hmm. they are at. Mm-hmm. So it's become like a guideline mm-hmm. for the whole industry mm-hmm. on so the topic of sustainability. Everyone just hold each other accountable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think these are great. So the brands, they, they know that they cannot carry on mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they are really trying to improve themselves. So mm-hmm. H&M, they have the conscious clothing line. <laughs> so-called conscious so-called conscious but, <laughs> but you they can, tried <laughs> yeah and if you go and buy H&M in Vietnam in mm-hmm. Hanoi you, mm-hmm. you can see some of the clothes they have uh, recycled cotton mm-hmm. uh, or recycled materials in, mm-hmm. in their product mm-hmm. and it is also clearly labeled Mm-hmm. that uh, it belongs to a conscious line or mm-hmm. the, the cotton is uh, organic cotton, mm-hmm. BSCI. Yeah. Yeah. So, Funny yeah. story, I actually went to an H&M store the other day and you know what I saw? <laughs> I saw the famous Timberland shoes <laughs> model sitting right there in H&M and I was like, wow, mm, they're doing yeah. great. <laughs> conscious, you know. Conscious. <laughs> But yeah, that's another thing about fast fashion. They um, rip off design from small designers and maybe big brands as well. And don't they have any laws or regulations against that? It's really hard to put such laws in the fashion industry mm-hmm. because you can just you just need to change a few details mm-hmm. of a design mm-hmm. to call it a, a new new design mm. and you cannot really like have copyright for the whole silhouette mm. for example there is a case between like two luxury <coughs> brands mm-hmm. uh the christian louboutin the the famous mm. high heel brand mm-hmm. they have this iconic like reds l- mm. like under yes yeah. red stilettos but the combination is that the black like the, the black shoes with the the red uh 
heel red. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's another version of another brand which is all red. Okay. And even though the silhouette is a, a bit a bit like similar, mm-hmm. but the color combination is also different, and mm-hmm. they cannot like have a, a case against that mm-hmm. because they only register the or uh, have it copyright the red soul. <laughs> red soul, really? <laughs> I uh, yeah. I mean, and they are the, they they are different. The the underneath, <laughs> yeah. I don't know the, the hill, the the, the the underneath the hill, the hill, <laughs> and I, I mean, <clears throat> it is some particular characteristics I would say of the fashion industry, yeah. and I actually read an article that was of this topic, replica fake, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and the issues behind that, and. They say that it actually sometimes gives more chance for the industry to try, <laughs> <laughs> like competition and everything. Uh, but uh, it's true. If everything is copyrighted, it's really hard for mm-hmm. like small designers actually mm-hmm. to compete because mm-hmm. they do not have the power or the money to have everything copyrighted. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're. Uh, easily stolen, mm-hmm. for, for so, example, mm-hmm. so and they cannot yeah. win cases against bigger, mm-hmm. bigger brands. Oh, yeah, that's so such that's a gray area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> creative properties. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same with every uh, creative field. <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, coming back to our topic, um, luxury brands. I heard that they previously to the uh, movement, they just pretty much burn all of their yeah, stocks the, the if stocks. they cannot sell them. Right. Yeah. It is actually quite common in in the industry that the practice of burning or destroying your stuff because they do not want the, their product to be in the hand of um, maybe what they would say, not the target audience. Oh, it will bring down right. the image of the whole brand. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. And so rather than, you know, risking the... The chance mm, of, of the, the their product, yeah, mm. being like they floods the secondhand market or mm. the fake product market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's the easier <laughs> option. The easiest option would be to to burn to burn the whole thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. However, um, I think in recent year because people already know about the issues, so mm-hmm. either they are really quiet about disposing this stuff, <laughs> or they don't do it anymore. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everyone has their own reasons, but like wearing things, ah, just... Yeah, I heard some brands like reuse the material for their new clothing lines or something like that, yeah, right? The, yep, I mean, the more sustainable brands, they mm-hmm. actually do. Mm-hmm. For example, Christopher Rabin, an English designer, and he is actually currently the creative director of Timberland. Mm-hmm. His brand, Rabin Design, has always been a sustainable brand and not only do he like, uh, does he source fabric from the like second hand waste textiles mm-hmm. for uh, for example the army surplus mm-hmm. uh, like clothing uh, workwear clothing he also reuse fabric from his past collection into the design mm-hmm. of more famously Victor and Roth Mm. Uh, also one of the uh, luxury house couture brand yeah. they also uh, reuse the textile waste and do patchwork for the even the runway, and so I think that even in Vietnam, the uh, people are really familiar with uh, Modian, which is uh, Ooh, uh, some tea. <laughs> We're getting some afternoon tea. <laughs> uh, so I think they are one of the more famous, uh, one of I would say the most well-known sustainable fashion brand in Vietnam. Mm. The reason is because they they are not famous for their sustainability initiative. They mm-hmm. are first and foremost of a fast a, a fashion local brand. So mm-hmm. their their aesthetics are really unique and particular, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so they are value firstly for their creativity, mm-hmm. and there is also the added value of uh, sustainability. Mm-hmm. They have um, they have claimed to reuse their their fabric waste in uh, some garments or in some products and mm-hmm. also re- uh, sell them. Mm-hmm. And I think um, in 
June this year, mm-hmm. I had some criticism against the brand, mm-hmm. and the representative of the brand also published a statement. <laughs> um, so the main reason I have with them is that their model is not really effective in in working for like in terms of sustainability. Mm, so. Okay. They still use uh, synthetics materials that mm. are not like uh, that do not have recycled components. Mm. Uh, they st- the product quality is not the best. Mm. Uh, they do not have uh, any take back initiatives. So like when the customer doesn't want the the product anymore, they mm-hmm. they don't really have any collect uh, program. Oh, okay. uh, Even uh, if you talk about the pupil aspect in sustainability, mm-hmm. I have heard claims that they do not uh, sign proper contracts with the worker, or they do not pay for the what mm-hmm. do you say health benefits. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that like a really common basic thing? <laughs> yeah, 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 basic and common thing. However, in the fashion industry, it's just mm-hmm rampant that you do not have proper um, like contracts, and contracts insurance and insurance really wow yeah and it, it just carry on I mean if it's another brand then I am not surprised but here we are talking about a sustainable fashion brand mm-hmm. which is a leading on the, sustainable fashion yeah brand. on the forefront of yeah. the industry mm-hmm. and these uh, issues are still they still prevails and that makes me question about the Uh, legit uh, <laughs> I mean <laughs> legit, legit yeah. Yeah, yeah the brand and the founder owner they gave some answers to my my questions mm-hmm. and even though I'm not fully satisfied um, we at least have a conversation together and mm-hmm. it opened up the opportunity for every everybody in the field mm-hmm. even the customer or some other brand owners to mm-hmm. see um, what are the issues involved in in the sustainability and and the customer can have a wider uh, wider view and or consider things with different perspective mm-hmm. regarding mm-hmm. the matter of sustainability <coughs> and sustainable fashion in Vietnam mm-hmm. yeah so, I think the best thing about the What should I call it? The, um, <laughs> the conversation. The, yeah, the discussion. <laughs> the discussion. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the best thing about the afternoon tea that we got <laughs> is that you guys actually started a discussion. So for the people like Mark, who knows yeah. something, <laughs> but not everything, he's started paying more attention about uh, sustainable fashion here in Vietnam, right? No. No, no, well, it's like the point that I was trying to, you know, like getting out of Moidian is like, sure, you know, like it creates a platform basically, you mm-hmm. know, like for people to kind of start to talk about sustainable mm-hmm. fashion because technically it's sustainable fashion. It's not just about fashion in a way. It's about the way of life itself, mm-hmm. you know? Damn. Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. why I'm here. <laughs> oh, okay. And he left. <laughs> he left. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean that's also true. When you people start caring about sustainable fashion, maybe they will lead back to sustainability and environmentalism. Yeah. So the more the more basic or the more universal um, theory <coughs> and, mm-hmm. and idea, mm-hmm. because it's true that like not everybody cares or like pays that much attention about the environment. And mm-hmm. however, they they love fashion. People like clothing. They like mm-hmm. dressing up. Mm-hmm. And one thing leads to another. Maybe mm-hmm. when they start like questioning about the clothes that they wear, they will mm-hmm. apply those doubts and mm-hmm. start questioning everything else, <laughs> <laughs> like the gen. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I can only think of some sustainable brands here in Vietnam, like uh, Kilomet One O Nine. Do you know any other brands? Um, yeah, click Kilometer 109 is what I would say the the textbook uh, example <laughs> yes, of what sustainability in fashion is. So mm-hmm. say they own the whole supply chain or they try mm-hmm. to control and uh, take part in in the whole of the supply chain. Mm-hmm. So they grow the fabric, mm-hmm. uh, they grow the the, the cotton <coughs> and hemp with with local artisans. They mm-hmm. weave and then uh, dye produce 
and there are some benefits mm-hmm. of such things which is you have total control over your whole supply chain and you can interfere and intervene and make sure that your product is ethically made mm-hmm. however the downsize the cost it is yeah. extremely well, expensive, so for, expensive for the Vietnam customer for yeah. the Vietnamese customer mm-hmm. and I think I read in one um, magazine interview 70% mm-hmm. of their customers are foreigners Mm. And that also makes me question about the availability mm-hmm. of of sustainable fashion. It is a privilege. We have yeah, to agree yeah. that it is yeah. a privilege mm-hmm. to to care about such issue and mm-hmm. to approach such product. Yeah. And yeah. I I have to say that although Kilometer One Hundred Nine is a locally produced product, mm-hmm. the end user are actually foreigners or expats. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. also uh, leaves me some bad aftertaste. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> some, any other way to explain it. Yeah. So that doesn't mean we don't have other more affordable options. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't yeah. say Tim Tai. Tim Tai is a, a Saigon-based a local brand. Mm-hmm. They are, I think, modest in the in scale. However, they have they has always stayed true to their original goal. Of, which is to use linen or mm-hmm. cotton, so basically mm-hmm. natural materials for every of their for every collection and every product. Mm-hmm. They avoid using synthetic materials as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And the most recent collection, I think from last year, uh, they tried the zero waste pattern cutting method, mm-hmm. which would re- reduce the production waste to mm. almost zero percent mm, and the nice. price uh i would say affordable um one million <coughs> dong for a, sh- a dress or a shirt dress mm-hmm. that's and not bad it's not re- it's not bad at all yeah. it's like the same price as moidian <laughs> I, I would say it's the same price as some uh, more higher and local brands higher and local brand but they yeah, if I were to choose that, okay, I understand that the Moidian products ha- has the creative flair or like yeah. the like designer's appearance and Team Thai is more of a classic, like simple minimalistic style. Mm-hmm. And, but there are also some other, some more other options. I, I think T-Rex is mm-hmm. currently the love child of local brands mm-hmm. and I think the philosophy is really interesting. They just care about making the best product possible. Mm. And they really show the story behind each design mm. and how much efforts and how many in- people are involved in, in making one garment. And it really shows, a, a, the message really comes through that uh, this product is... Uh, made with love and with mm, care mm. and the, the customer understand and and appreciate and mm-hmm. also will treasure the garment and it will be worn for a long time mm-hmm. there will mm. be it i think it will become something like a cult brand in vietnam and it will mm. um, spark like trade shops and like <coughs> a rebuying market mm-hmm. and they try to be sustainable in their own way for example uh I, I read about one product which is the uh, shibori dye t-shirt mm-hmm. so when they uh, ca- when they came to a factory f- uh, like um, the manufacturer for knitwear mm-hmm. that will be exported mm-hmm. they saw like discarded uh, like un- unsold stocks mm-hmm. of t-shirt mm-hmm. that, that they they were produced with the wrong measurements on mm-hmm. so they would just sat there. And the T-Rex team actually bought bought the T-shirt and mm. dyed and sell them as new mm. products. Mm. So they try to have like more sustainable products or like upcycling and recycle in their own way. Mm-hmm. That is still true to the, to the brand, mm-hmm. and they <coughs> create a like a conversation with the customer and to really. Mm. 
um, produce and just focus on making the best garment possible. I think that is something that every brand should uh, be adhered to. That, that is like well, the yeah. most basic and the most important thing. You have to make good product. You do not like just produce like badly made short life cycles mm-hmm. to uh, to make the customer return again. That is something yeah. we call the design obsolescence. Hmm. Design obsolescence is when the designer or the product itself is made to be discarded every few years. Mm. You would know that as the iPhone kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like every, every after every few years, you have to buy them again. Yeah. That is mm. a a, tat, a a strategy to bring back the customer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can totally do better. They just don't want to. They don't want to, <laughs> and that, and so. That is, I think, one of the most like fucked up thing about yeah, the like, industry and like consumerism that yeah, right. they force us to buy low quality uh, product mm-hmm. to make us like come back and, and buy another low quality <laughs> product. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. That's like the basic, the common sense of when you make something, you you want to make it the best quality and with the best intention that you can. But we are straying far away from that day by day. Damn, that is so fucking sad. <laughs> but but um, again, uh, I want to uh, believe, so I, I have faith in uh, <laughs> optimism, optimism <laughs> in in the upcoming generations. Yeah, just like two brands. Yes, uh, <laughs> I mean, I try my best. Mm. Uh, I I am currently trying to commercialize some of the design from my winning collection. Mm. It is not easy, and I understand why some people criticize me for like having nothing and like <laughs> calling out on some someone. someone. But, uh, <laughs> so right now, I'm trying to put myself out there, like mm-hmm. to actually do do the work and to maybe prove to people and to myself that it is. Uh, a sustainable business can also sustain itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. really nice. <laughs> that's really nice. Yeah. yeah. So, do you have any advice for the consumers or the customers for a more sustainable, ethical <laughs> wardrobe? <laughs> I would say. Um, well, since it's secondhand September, mm-hmm. the most practical uh, advice I would say is to use everything that you have mm-hmm. and try to keep your garments for a really long time so have uh, like give them a long uh, loving <laughs> a <laughs> life, life <laughs> care and there is like a, a chart of, uh-huh. of the hierarchy of buying mm-hmm. so the the lowest one is to use what you have mm-hmm. next is borrow mm-hmm. trade make it yourself and mm-hmm. then only then do you buy Mm. Oh. So you mm. can kind of follow the step. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, in a more like uh, broader sense, I would say is to never stop questioning and mm-hmm. to keep researching and keep reading uh, about different aspects of sustainability because I would say it is really, really complicated. And mm-hmm. as the customer, it is really easy to buy into the marketing schemes and mm-hmm. uh, un, like unproved claims of the brands or international companies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, you as the customer have to look deeper you you have to be conscious and really do not be passive mm-hmm. in in such dialogue it is a dialogue so you have the right to say you have the right to talk back to mm-hmm. you to the company mm-hmm. and demand more information mm-hmm. and to like ask for the proof mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i would agree with that because as someone who not really has the purchasing power to afford a hundred percent sustainable product i would mm-hmm. say just to be proactive in understanding of what i'm consuming and demand on the information of mm-hmm. where does it come from would be a pressure on someone else who has the power to change something <laughs> yeah i mean it's true that you don't yeah. you don't need to change the brand you can say that okay mm. i i will stick with you but you have to change mm. or else i will go to some some other person or some yeah yeah okay. that's really nice so mark do you have any more input what i think like what you guys have just said is it's fine it's fine it's fine 
I think the more we talk about sustainable fashion, I think the more it will become more widespread in a way. And at the moment, I think like, it's still a niche thing. Uh, like two said before, you know, it's still a very foreign mm-hmm. thing for yeah. a lot of customers. So if we talk more about it, then yeah. we can prove that there is a demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. a demand from local people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. the brands have to take action there. I mean, it is a niche, and every brand is looking for the niche. You know, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. They're looking to please their customers. Uh, like course. for the unique selling points, yeah. finding mm-hmm. a niche. And if we are proving that there are not enough brands mm-hmm. uh, with sustainable uh, values mm-hmm. and with affordable price, then maybe someone is going to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, so there's actually a lot that we can do. We can first uh, look more into sustainable fashion. Um, the Fashion Revolution Organization actually have branch here in Vietnam, and they do host some events. I haven't seen them around this year, but you know, Corona. <laughs> you can uh, buy less clothes. Just use whatever that you have. Recycle them, and you know, cut your shirt or do some fun stuff with it if mm. you. Uh, Uh, don't want to wear it the same way that it was made before and buy secondhand um, just buy less clothes <laughs> and if you can uh, buy from sustainable brands then you're welcome to do that and raise your voice raise your fucking voice most important thing <laughs> and I, I think I would like to add yes like you have mentioned about remaking your clothes mm-hmm. I would say that It's really empowering to transform yourself from the position of a customer to to become a maker. Mm-hmm. So you can make your own clothes. Damn, oh. that's and, really and empowering. Yeah. It's like, that's like when the credo of like everything that I'm trying to exactly. say. Exactly, like, it's like in the better terms. <laughs> in the better terms, you know. Like for like example, make what you want to do, you know. Yeah. Like we we refuse to eat processed food, right? Uh-huh. So yeah, we can yeah, yeah. refuse to. Take the process closing. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, we can try to make the product ourselves, or uh, mm-hmm. to be really to be more involved in the process. Mm-hmm. Wow, Tu just explained everything so much better than we can. <laughs> well, that's why we have her on the podcast today. So thank you for coming, and we're really happy to have you here on this yeah. episode. Thank you for inviting mm-hmm. me. It's been really great fun talking to you guys. <laughs> It's really chill. <laughs> really chill. <laughs> really chill. <laughs> I love this atmosphere. Very nice for the first time talking on the podcast. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! And I really hope that we can uh, have another chat in another time. Yeah, of course. Yeah.